Welcome to That's Illegal, a podcast about international law in the age of nationalism. This podcast is produced by the Global Justice Center, or GJC. The Global Justice Center is a legal human rights nonprofit based in New York City. Our work focuses on moving international humanitarian laws from paper to practice. Our staff consists of lawyers with international law expertise who work regularly with partners at the EU and the UN. Given the recent development of countries turning increasingly nationalistic and the rise in global tensions, we thought it would be a good idea to sit down and talk about the importance of international law, why we have it, and why we should implement it. So every week we're going to take a look at the latest news and break down the legality of what happened using the framework of international law. Today, we will be discussing the Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, a law that allows for the full or partial disclosure of previously unreleased information controlled by the United States government. We are joined today by Merite Johnson, Executive Assistant at the Global Justice Center. For the past year, Merite has managed the Global Justice Center's FOIA requests regarding U.S. abortion restrictions. She will give us a history of FOIA and discuss her experience working with the government in submitting and receiving FOIA documents. Welcome, Merite. Thank you so much for joining us. Could you start off by giving us a background on FOIA, what it is, when was the law passed, and just a little bit of context for why it exists? Sure. So FOIA stands for the Freedom of Information Act. It's a federal law that was passed in the mid-60s. And other states and cities also have their own FOIA laws, but we're only going to be talking about the federal one today because that's what GJC deals with. So the FOIA came out of the growing national security apparatus that was created during the Cold War. And at this time, there were all these brand new systems of classification and The CIA was really expanding its activities, but there was no way for the public to get any of these records. And there was no avenue for redress through the judiciary if you were denied this access. So the congressman who came up with the FOIA, John Moss, actually was, he was a career open government advocate, and he actually spent 12 years trying to get this passed. He made a lot of enemies while he was doing this. Eisenhower couldn't stand him. J. Edgar Hoover was not a fan. Kennedy and Johnson also hated him. So he was inspired to do this out of the Cold War. But then after Vietnam, a lot of Republicans got on board with keeping the government more accountable. So by 1966, there was enough momentum, even though nobody in the executive branch wanted this to get passed. The House passed this bill through. 307 to zero, essentially forcing Johnson to sign this. He hated the idea of the FOIA. He publicly disparaged John Moss really vulgarly. And he actually refused to have any kind of formal ceremony for signing this. He wouldn't do it publicly. He issued a signing statement trying to undermine the passage of the bill, but ultimately it went into effect in 1967. And then About 10 years later, after Watergate, Congress amended it to make it a lot stronger, and that's kind of the FOIA law that we know today. Can you give us just a little bit of background into your experience with FOIA at GJC, just kind of a general history of what we've submitted and what you've submitted personally? Yeah, so all of GJC's FOIA requests deal with the Helms Amendment and abortion restrictions in U.S. foreign aid contracts. So... A lot of them in the past have dealt with contracts in Burma, which we've been working there since GJC's inception, but then also in Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, any neighboring countries to Syria and Iraq that are receiving U.S. money. 
the requests that we're submitting now have to deal with the expansion and reinstatement of the global gag rule. It's especially interesting to us because now that the gag rule has been expanded, it involves a number of new executive agencies. So for example, Health and Human Services was never involved in any sort of gag rule related activities under previous administrations. And it's very interesting and useful for us to know how they're being prepared to roll this out and implement it and what the general feeling is at the federal government around how this is being rolled out and expanded. So can you walk us through the process of submitting a FOIA request? So submitting your FOIA request initially is very straightforward. Your letter to whatever agency you're requesting from has to, all it has to say is who you are, your address, your phone number, what you're asking for, and why you want it. So Um, any citizen can do it? Like anyone? Okay. Yeah. Any citizen, any organization, any business, whoever. Yeah. As long as you tell them who you are and why you want it, if you have a good reason, then you can submit your FOIA request. That doesn't mean it's going to be processed or the documents will be given to you, but you're welcome to try. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So GJC's request because we have a team of lawyers here are always very exact in what we're requesting. We go into a lot of detail about what we mean by materials. So there's a long paragraph of this includes PowerPoints and memos and transcripts of calls and calendars, etc. Setting out the parameters very distinctly so that they can't, you know, shirk their responsibilities at all. It's also really helpful to include dates if you can. So if you say in this fiscal year or GJC has recent requests around the gag rule that ask for emails starting on November 8th, 2016, through May of 2017, so it creates a much more structured way for the FOIA agents to search for documents. So can you give a specific example of a FOIA request you've submitted and what the response was? Yeah, so at the beginning of 2016, GJC submitted requests to the State Department and USAID and later to Health and Human Services asking for communications around the reinstatement and expansion of the global gag rule. So what we were looking for are emails, communications, memos, basically the process behind reinstating and expanding this enormous policy so that we can understand why these decisions were made, what was overlooked, and really what their plan is so that we can be better advocates in combating the expansion of the gag rule. So that was last March. So you submitted the first request in March? Yes, to state and USAID. And then last summer, we submitted the same thing to Health and Human Services. So, so far, we have only received responsive documents from the State Department. There are two sets from two different bureaus. Um, One of them was heavily redacted. It's basically unusable. We're kind of in the process now of appealing that. And we've been told that we can expect a determination by this June, which is well past the response deadline of 20 days that the law sets out for them. So when did you get the first response from them? After you submitted in March, when was our first response from the State Department? So when you initially send in your response, uh-huh. they have 20 days to let you know that they've received it and they've assigned it a tracking number. That part usually is not particularly difficult for them just to acknowledge they have a letter, they've given it an ID number, and they're starting to work on it, quote unquote. The difficult part is actually getting them to give you the documents. Mm -hmm. Because this is work related to the global gag rule, we requested expedited processing so that it would speed this along. Initially, we were denied expedited processing by state, USAID, and HHS, but state and HHS gave us expedited processing on the grounds that not having these documents is a threat to the life and safety of an individual. In this case, millions and millions of women and girls around the world who are going to be impacted by the global gag rule now. So you can apply for expedited processing, but it really is only for humanitarian concerns or if the public has a really urgent need to know about the information that you're requesting. 
they won't just give you things if you ask for them. You really have to you have to prove that you need these things. So we're still in the process of getting the response on that. Can yeah. you give an example of a successful FOIA request? Yeah. So in the past, GGC's FOIA requests have all dealt with the Helms Amendment and the way that abortion restrictions are incorporated into U.S. foreign aid contracts. And so a lot of our past requests have had to do with grants to conflict zones, so places in Syria, in Iraq. One that we did in Burma was asking specifically for all the grants going to this one clinic on the border between Thailand and Burma. These are like government grants. Right. That USAID was making to International Rescue Committee, the Red Cross, whoever, in order to give them money to do their work there. And so we're specifically looking to get information on the kind of services that are being given to displaced people and especially to survivors who have been displaced by the Burmese military. And so you're seeing, like, if the State Department is saying you can't perform these services, but you can perform these, basically, like, in regards to right. abortion. So, yeah. Yeah. So even the contract that says you cannot give these people an abortion. Right. Yeah. So we made the request in March 2015 and didn't get the documents till January of 2017, which actually is fairly quick, <laughs> considering the enormous backlog and the number of documents that they had to go through. We also, we received 86 pages, and only two of those had redactions on them, which is really exciting because that's very rare nowadays. So the part of the USAID contracts that we're really interested in is the restricted goods, which is a standard language that's added to every government contract and it lists goods and services that you can't buy with government money. And those services are military equipment, luxury goods, gambling equipment, weather modification equipment, and abortion equipment. That's in every single foreign assistance grant. This is proof that sexual violence survivors are being denied the care that they are entitled to under the Geneva Conventions. Could you give an example of a FOIA request that was not successful? They did not turn over the documents that we requested. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily say this is not successful. At least it hasn't been successful yet. So in 2014, GJC made a request asking for information on contracts that the State Department had made in Iraq and neighboring countries to assist Iraqi refugees. And this was September 2014. We only received a determination last month. And the determination was that they don't have any records responsive to our request, which doesn't make any sense to us because the only reason we know about these grants is that they were listed in official government materials saying that the State Department gave these to groups in Iraq for humanitarian work. So we're appealing that one and have asked State to do another search because it just doesn't make any kind of sense that they're publicizing these grants, but... Then saying they don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then what is the appeal process like? Do you just send another email response or...? Yeah, you can appeal pretty much anything under FOIA. You can appeal being denied expedited processing. You can appeal fee waivers, etc. So there's just a couple of people in every FOIA office who deal with appeals and who review them. So, yeah, all you have to do is send another letter, explain yourself, and send it in by... The deadline usually is like 90 days after you get a determination. Sometimes that works. It's worked for me in the past with some things, as long as you, sometimes you maybe haven't given enough information in your initial request, or there's just like some confusion that needs to be cleared up. After that, you can go to a specific government office that deals with resolving FOIA disputes. And then if that doesn't work, then you can file a lawsuit. That's really the last resort for FOIA requesters because it is really time consuming. It can be really expensive and really confusing, but there are law firms who will do FOIA lawsuits pro bono. And there's It seems like it is possible to resolve simple FOIA disputes individually. There are journalist resources that tell you how to do it, but they also caution you that it might not work out. Yeah, the lawsuit is really the last resort. It's difficult, and you kind of hope it doesn't come to that. 
Have we ever sued? No, we've come close, and we've also threatened to sue. And sometimes even threatening to sue can kind of light a fire under the FOIA people and make them work a little harder and actually respond to the things that you're asking for. Not to say that you should go threatening, you know, willy-nilly, but if you actually are thinking about suing, like, Uh it's definitely a good thing to inform them of that. Because they also don't want to deal with a big lawsuit. What would you say is the most frustrating part of doing the FOIA process, since you've done a few of these? Yeah, I haven't been doing it for very long, but just the fact that it can take literally years to get any kind of responsive documents, and just the feeling of getting that big FOIA envelope with all of the documents coming from the State Department or whoever, you open it up, you're like, oh, after all these months, I finally have what I want. Everything's redacted. It is so discouraging. (laughs) So having gone through the FOIA process, what are your like general takeaways from it? Do you think it's a really good thing that we have it? Do you think it could be improved? What are your feelings about FOIA? I think, I mean, it's great that it exists. The spirit of the FOIA is open government and transparency, and it is created so that non-lawyers can do their requests and not have a problem, which is great because I'm not a lawyer, but also just in the spirit of democracy, this is something that you shouldn't need a law degree to be able to understand. There are also a lot of really fantastic resources available online for journalists, NGOs, students, whoever, who want to file for FOIA requests and appeals. So those are also really helpful. It's definitely the kind of process where you need to be on top of it. At GJC, our practice is to keep a detailed chronology of every request that we make. So from the day that the initial request letter is sent out to any calls or emails that we have with the FOIA agency or anything they send us so that we can gauge how much time has passed. And also, if it comes to a lawsuit, we have all these records that we can pull out. It's very much the kind of system where if you're not sticking your neck out and standing up for yourself, no one else is going to come and ask you if you need help Mm -hmm. or you have to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the federal government is enormous and there are a lot of cases. And if you don't remind your FOIA officers, hey, we're waiting on these documents, it's super important, how can I help you, like, get these to me faster, then they might blow you off. So do you have any advice for anyone who wants to put in a FOIA request? Definitely be as straightforward and comprehensive as you can possibly be. The more that you can include in your initial request letter, the better, because then you can get the ball rolling. You don't have to file a bunch of appeals. Definitely keep detailed records of all of the interactions you have with FOIA. Anytime you send an email or they send one to you, keep it somewhere in a file, log every call you have with them, take notes. And I always set myself reminders every few weeks or every month to check in if I haven't heard anything or I set reminders for deadline days. Usually it's 20 days after any correspondence that you send them. Also, just I think we kind of as a country are not too understanding of bureaucrats, but a lot of these people, it's not their fault that they have this enormous backlog and that They have so many very, very frustrated civilians trying to get this information out of them. So while you definitely can and should put your foot down and assert yourself and ask for what you are entitled to under the law, you still are talking to another person. So be nice because in that way, it is a customer service experience and you need to be nice to the person who's helping you because otherwise they're just going to stonewall you forever, even more than they already are. Do you know how big the FOIA office is? It kind of varies Okay. from bureau to bureau. I'm not sure how many people are in each FOIA office, mm-hmm. but I do know that over 2016, there were about 
750,000 FOIA requests filed. It's kind of interesting. So under Obama, right after he was inaugurated, he released this memo about FOIA openness and saying that it's everyone's responsibility to maintain the integrity of the FOIA and that the standard should be that we shouldn't just be classifying things because we can. Yeah, and his public statement was that agencies shouldn't just be redacting things just because they can or because some materials might be potentially embarrassing to them. That sounds really nice, but actually a few months after that, the White House counsel put out a non-public memo saying that any materials found in FOIA requests that mentioned the White House at all needed to go through another level of review through the White House, which one, slows down response times, and two, increases the chance that there are going to be political determinations being made mm-hmm. in these FOIA releases, which is absolutely antithetical to what the FOIA is supposed to mean. 2015 and 2016 were actually record high years for FOIA lawsuits. This meant that people were suing federal FOIA agencies for refusing to turn over records, either saying that none of these records existed or by redacting or just outright denying them. Between 2009 and 2016, the rate of requesters receiving either censored files or nothing at all went up steadily from 65% in 2009 to 77% in 2016. So under Obama, despite having this really wonderful air of let's all be open about the government and all of our files and records, that's really not what we've been seeing at all. And I know it's super early, but has there been any difference between Obama records and Trump administration records? So It's kind of unclear how the Trump administration is going to treat the FOIA because it is very early, but there haven't really been any kind of major memos or executive orders around the FOIA process from the White House or from the Justice Department. So it might be too early to tell and it might just not be a priority of the Trump administration, but journalists and NGOs have definitely been able to use FOIA so far to obtain information on the administration. So just this week, a FOIA request pushed the Trump White House to release some of its visitor logs. So it is definitely useful. People have filed FOIA requests on the amount that cabinet secretaries are spending on travel, funded by taxpayers, etc. But it seems unlikely to me that FOIA is going to become more efficient under Trump, just because we have a federal hiring freeze. There's already an enormous backlog, especially at the State Department and Department of Defense. And there's also just been this enormous number of new requests since Trump took office. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be any more user-friendly anytime soon. Do you have any final thoughts, anything I didn't ask about you want to share? Yeah, I mean, essentially, FOIA doesn't sound like a cool or trendy issue, but it actually is incredibly important to maintaining our integrity as a democracy and maintaining freedom of the press. And it is and it should remain a nonpartisan issue. FOIA really only is effective when everybody involved is acting in good faith. If they want to, government agencies can find a lot of ways to stonewall, to withhold information, and to make the process so convoluted and confusing that people just give up. And that's not to sound like a conspiracy theorist or to be like disparaging any one party or administration because this is an issue that affects everybody. And it's an issue where all parties and all past administrations and the current administration could be doing better. Thank you so much to Merite for joining us. For more information on FOIA and the Global Justice Center's FOIA requests, please visit globaljusticecenter.net. (laughs) 